So today is the 4th of October, 2021. I'll take this occasion to speak to the training of the heart and mind, which is something of great importance in our lives. Because this quality of pain, stress, and suffering arises right here in our hearts, and so does pleasure and happiness arises here in our hearts. And having been born, all of us uh, seek out happiness and want happiness, and we don't want suffering. And we see that this desire to have happiness and not have any suffering, this is something that's not possible. And then wanting a heaven, this is something that's uh, even more difficult. And in the world, we seek out worldly things like, uh, like building a house or having a house. And we can ask, well, is, is this something sure? Is this something permanent? As we see that uh, diseases arise, problems and disasters arise, such as uh, volcanoes erupting, which may only happen once every uh, thousand years or so, or perhaps a very large flood, or various other natural disasters. So we see that it's the nature of the world to change in this way. And we have uh, rain, waterfalls, we have snow, and sometimes the weather or climate changes as well. So we see that back if we compare back to the Buddhist time, 2,564 years ago, the world has changed a lot uh, to the present day. And so this is outer change, change on the outer level. And these bodies of ours uh, change as well. We get new diseases arising in the present day as well. In the past there were pandemics and there wasn't medicine available. And now the world has developed a lot more. And, but still there's new diseases and not medicine to treat them. So we have to fight in order to continue living. So the fact that our bodies can exist and keep living is due to our merit and spiritual virtues. But we need to be smart. We need to have intelligence to use these bodies of ours to do goodness and merit. Because if one isn't intelligent, then one will use one's body uh, to do things that are unwholesome, to do actions of body or speech that are bad or demeritorious, and to think in wrong ways as well, to think in demeritorious ways. One uses one's body to do speech or bodily actions that are wrong, and this is the cause for suffering to arise. But a person with intelligence, with wisdom in the Dhamma, will see that, um, will see that clearly, that these actions are not beneficial. And someone who has this wisdom of the world or intelligence in the world, they may be able to gain a lot of wealth, gain a lot of material things, but nothing that can be gained in this way can cure the suffering in one's heart. 
And sometimes those with intelligence will engage in wrong livelihood as well. They'll try to use their material wealth uh, to gain ever more and more, to try to make all the things in the world uh, one's own, to become the owner of uh, all the material wealth. And this is the behavior of delusion. And people deluded in this way don't know why they're deluded like this. And we can ask, well, have you ever seen anyone take their accumulated wealth with them when they die? And the answer is no, this has never happened. But the worldly way is to want more and more, to want all the material wealth to be mine, to want all the material things to be mine. So one can ask if one succeeded in this and all the material things in the entire world belong to oneself, then would one still have suffering? Well, one would actually have even more suffering because other people in the world would want what one has. And this would lead to contention and people fighting over this material wealth. And you can ask, well, people that have a lot of wealth like this, will they sleep well? So seeing this clearly, we should think of old age, sickness, and death. How we must all receive old age, sickness, and death. And particularly at this time in the world, we see a lot of people experiencing old age, sickness, and death. Whether it's our friend, uh, family, our loved ones, uh, dying and getting sick because of the COVID virus. And a lot of... Uh, human beings are dying because of this COVID virus. And when someone dies from COVID, sometimes their body can't be cremated or people can't come close to the corpse because the virus is still uh, present uh, in the corpse or around the corpse. So we see that at this point, the virus is the owner of the body. And the virus uses the body and these diseases, uh, viruses and bacteria and so on, they cling to these bodies. And we see clearly at this point that uh, when the body dies from a COVID virus like this, that the body uh, truly has no value. Once the breath is gone, the body loses all of its value. And even those that really loved the person that died like a mother, father, a child, a husband or wife, they can't even go close to that corpse or close to that person as they're dying and because of uh, trying to protect themselves from the virus. So we see that this is separating from that which is loved. So we should contemplate this well, contemplate this point of Dhamma to make it clear and see that it's something that's normal. So when we recollect like this, then we recollect, well, should we cling to anything in the world? So we practice to train our minds to be good, to have right view, not to create more suffering for oneself or others. We try to train our minds like this every single day, to have uh, generosity, to have forgiveness, and if we have generosity and giving of material things already, 
we try to also have the generosity <coughs> or the giving of forgiveness as well, which is a type of generosity generosity that's more subtle. Even beings that we don't like, we practice to give forgiveness to them, not to be angry with them, not to hold on to a grudge or vengefulness towards them. Because we see that these mind states are something bad, something we don't like. So why should we hold on to them? Why should we cling to them? It's like having a dirty cloth that we are intent to clean it. Or a dirty house where you want to sweep and mop it. Or a dirty car, then we try to clean that car. So we see that these bodies of ours must degrade and pass away. So why should we be angry? Why should we uh, be vengeful? Why should we have en enmity? And sometimes we'll have perceptions and memories from the past. And we can compare this to an uh, iPad or smartphone that has information on it. And this is old uh, sanya perception or memory on that device. And so we store this information onto the uh, tablet or smartphone. And then when we open up and turn on the device, we can see various images, hear various sounds that we've stored uh, onto them, stored onto the memory. And if it's uh, something we liked, then when we see it again, we have this attraction or liking for that arise again. And if it's something we disliked, then when we see it again or hear it again, we have this aversion, this disliking arise again. And this is all based on memory, on sanya. So it's the same with our own minds. If there's someone that you dislike or someone that you like, you store that perception. And when you meet that person again, that liking or disliking arises again because you liked or disliked that person in the past. And so the person that one dislikes and one sees them again, disliking arises again because of the stored perception. One should think, well, what is it that one is disliking? So when we have this liking or disliking, this is the self, the sense of self, with the sense of me, a sense of you. But we can change this to see clearly uh, that there is no, no self to be found, no me, no you. And then right there, the whole issue goes away, right there. We can look at the story of uh, this group of four monks. Two monks in the group got along well with each other. And another, the other two monks in the group got along with each, with each other well. They're able to understand each other. But let's say monk A and B get along well, and monk C and D get along well. But the first group of monk A and B uh, didn't get along with the group uh, C and D. Their views weren't in agreement. And this could give rise to anger and contention at times. And then at one one occasion, one monk, say monk A, met 
a monk from the second group, let's say monk uh, D, and he uh, greeted him warmly, but he didn't realize that it was monk D. He thought it was monk B, his friend, the one he got along with. But then when he realized that it was monk D, the monk he didn't get along with, then all of a sudden this feeling of uh, disliking that, oh, this isn't the feeling that he wasn't his friend arose in his heart. So when he perceived that other monk as his friend, then he uh, spoke well and had loving kindness. But then when he realized it was someone else, then he had disliking arise right there. So this is based on perception, based on memory. We can see that when he had the perception that this monk was his friend, then he had these feelings of uh, warmth and kindness and liking. But when that perception changed to being the person that he didn't like, then the, the feeling changed right there. And so seeing the friend and feeling at ease and perceiving that person as not one's friend, these are all based on feelings from the past that have been stored in the mind. But we contemplate that these bodies are really just composed of the natural elements, elements of earth, air, fire, and water. And therefore, when the sanya, when the memory arises, when the feeling arises, we can ask, well, who is it that's remembering? Who is it that's recollecting? And we see that this quality of memory, recollection, it's a natural phenomenon. It's something that happens uh, naturally. But when we cling to these memories, then this is attachment. It's a cause for suffering to arise. So we have to have uh, carefulness in the present moment. See that the kilesas of greed, aversion, and delusion arise in the present moment. Mupucha compared this to uh, sour water or sour liquid, liquid. When that sour liquid touches the tongue, then it gives rise to the experience of sourness. But if that sour liquid doesn't touch the tongue, then is it, does one experience sourness? Uh, does one feel sour? And same with a sweet liquid. When that sweet liquid touches the tongue, then it gives rise to the experience of sweet flavor. But if the sweet liquid doesn't touch the tongue, then there's no experience of sweetness. So the feeling of sour or sweet is based on this contact, in this case, contact at the tongue, uh, which experiences va various flavors. And so right here at contact at the tongue, this is right where liking or disliking arise. They arise right here. So may you be very careful with this, with the contact at the six senses of the body, the eye, the nose, the tongue, the ear, and the mind. So these are all, this is Dhamma, this is uh, nature. But we see that these dhammas that arise are just dhammas. There's no me, there's no you, there's no uh, self to be found. And similarly, all material things and all mental things are all dhammas. The six 
sense objects of sounds, tastes, uh, touches, sights, smells, and mental objects. And when they contact their respective sense doors, this gives rise to sense consciousness, which arises and ceases. It's a type of mental phenomenon, mental or immaterial dhamma that arises and ceases. So may you contemplate this every day. Uh, contemplate and train your minds in this. Train your mindfulness uh, to know these phenomena in time, to know them as they arise, and to be firm in this, to contemplate this a lot. And when this may be very difficult at times. One may feel that it's uh, quite a difficult thing to do. But we, whatever posture we're in, of sitting, standing, walking, or lying down, then we try to have effort, try to have effort around the time of uh, sleeping as well, to practice and train our minds well. And when our bodies are strong, we try to uh, put forth effort in the practice. And one can recollect, maybe in the past one could walk well or one could run, but in the present one can't run or walk like they could before. One can't go as fast or one can't go at all. And so we've passed a lot of obstacles in our lives already, a lot of physical obstacles and a lot of mental obstacles as well that we've had to pass to reach the present moment. We've passed through many uh, difficulties, uh, trials and tribulations, both mental and physical, until until the present time. So therefore, may you have effort. May you have effort to clear all obstacles out of the heart. It's like one's walking on a single route, a single path, and one passes by many obstacles like rocks or trees or rivers and so on. But one keeps walking on this path, one keeps going. One keeps training the mind to clear all the moods and sense impressions out of the heart, to make the heart uh, at ease. So we see this Dhamma practice, it can be easy, it can be not difficult. To may study the texts a lot, or listen to the uh, great teachers a lot. So may you do this, to have mindfulness uh, over the mind and to uh, teach the mind, to train the mind that uh, there's nothing certain, there's nothing stable, that everything that's experienced, whether materiality or mentality, it's all uncertain, it's all unstable. And the mind may proliferate and feel one likes a certain thing or dislikes another thing. So try to know this in time, to know that this is, or these are the uh, defilements that are proliferating. And this is uh, all about the self. It's all about the self, about this, or that all this proliferation is about the self. So contemplate all mental phenomenon, material phenomenon as impermanent, as unsure, as unstable. 
and to have strength and energy with our wisdom or to have our wisdom be strong we need samadhi we need collectedness we need to be very restrained very restrained this is something that's very important to be restrained in sila and virtue to have sila to have bhavana mental cultivation to practice and train our minds like this to have patient endurance uh, to strive to practice to truly train our hearts and minds to be able to bring them to peace and collectedness or we also use wisdom to bring our mind to peace and collectedness and wherever we may go we bring our mindfulness we use our mindfulness we don't forget about our mindfulness we don't simply uh leave our mindfulness behind so wherever we go we try not to forget our smartphone and if we forget it then we'll immediately go back and retrieve the phone so this quality of mindfulness don't forget mindfulness bring it with you whether you go near or far uh, don't forget your mindfulness if you leave the monastery bring your mindfulness with you as well and you bring uh, money for gas and for uh, food or water and you don't forget that money so bring your mindfulness as well don't forget your mindfulness and this mindfulness gives energy and strength to the mind so don't simply leave it behind because when you go out into the a world you meet with a lot of sense impressions and moons meet with them a lot when one is just in the forest or on the mountain then one is always seeing uh, trees and natural uh plants and s- small animals and so on and the mind can feel very at ease and at peace because there's nothing much there but when one meets with a lot of people or various individuals in the world then these this is a strong sense impression and can receive a lot of moods so contemplate this as uncertain if one goes to a hospital then the people there are wearing masks and the official there may be speaking very loudly and this official at the hospital in their work they may have a lot of tension in their heart and sometimes they want to release that tension so may you have firmly established mindfulness to take good care of your heart and to remember to give forgiveness as well because it's what's proliferating is merely greed aversion and delusion all this proliferation is not the true mind because deep down the the true mind doesn't want any suffering just wants happiness but all minds have this quality of ignorance as the the boss over the mind that controls the mind so may you train and practice to be able to win over ignorance to train in this path of virtue collectedness and wisdom so may you all be intent in this practice